Dodge Hammer. Let's go this one. All right. All right. G'day guys, Dan here from Epic Drives Western Australia. I'm here with Cam from Wild Touring. Finally, it's been it's been a long, long time had this plan, but Cam's an extremely busy guy. He's obviously busy with his channel, but he also works full time. So thanks for finding the time to come out and have a chat today. No worries, mate. My pleasure. Um, so tell us, uh, where are we and what made you choose this place today for a wheel? It's, it's been pretty good. Yeah, it's been a good day. So I guess uh, the closest town would be Dwelling Up. Uh, right here where it's Scarp Pool. It's just like a day use area. You can, I think, oh, there's no picnic tables up there, was there? There wasn't, nah. There's no. No, there was further back. Yeah, there's a toilet, car park, but you can swim down here. It's quite nice. Just thought it'd be a good spot to meet because it's, uh, it's only an hour from home for us. Uh, and we were doing a bit of filming as well this morning on a winter review I'm doing on my channel. Um, so, yeah, just sort of two birds with one stone. Yeah, I think we'll stick the... Um the waypoints in for this place. Hey, good for a swim yeah, on a hot day for it's sure. It's a nice spot. Probably leeches and everything, but yeah. you get that. All right, so tell us a little bit about yourself and your channel and what it's about. Yeah, right. So I'm, I'm 30 years old, live in Perth, and like you said, I work full time. Um, I'm married and I've got a daughter. She's two years old. I guess I started the YouTube channel back in 2016, and I didn't really know what I was doing with it, um, but now I also don't really know what I'm doing with it. But it's been a lot of fun. I guess I watch I watch a lot of YouTube. I watch mm. a lot of other YouTubers like Dan uh, and other ones, and I just thought that looks like a lot of fun, so I'd give it a crack myself. Well, that's yeah, that's kind of the same same with mine because uh, well, you've been been going for for longer than I have. I think you've been how many years have you been going for? Yes, yeah, I think 2016 I, I started my account, mm -hmm. but I wasn't doing much with it. Yeah. I probably really only ramped it up in the last I don't know two and a half years maybe. Yeah, yeah and you're, you're smashing it at the moment. I mean got some great videos and people obviously um lots of good comments and that sort of thing so thanks bro it's yeah, getting it's, there it's going well so you mentioned um just before that you've you've become a dad so congratulations thanks mate um what advice would you give for blokes who are perhaps expecting a baby or have have a young baby and they want to go off-roading or they've got a toddler any suggestions or tips that you've sort of picked up that that helps and um any any places that you'd recommend taking kids yeah, no, contraception. You'll have to edit that out. It was a great thing to do, having a kid. Um, it's an adventure in itself, isn't it? Yeah, oh yeah. But it's, and as you'll know, I mean, it's twice as hard for you, but it's such hard work. <laughs> yeah. And I might, like, we started taking Chloe camping. Ten weeks of age was our first trip. We went right. up to Linton Station up near Sharp Bay. Wow. And it's been a lot of fun overall, but it's so much harder than I thought it would be, mm. to be completely honest with you. Yeah. So one of your early videos, you went for a trip down to Harvey, um, and this trip was awesome because it was it was intense. Um, were you guys expecting the track to be what it was, and would you would you go and tackle it again? Um, yeah, we're so lucky in WA. We've got so many tracks around. Like we're, we're metro in Perth, and there's still mm. tracks everywhere in there. Yeah, there's dams to drive around, there's beaches to drive on, there's heaps to do. Harvey. Um, Harvey's a good spot because there's so many tracks to explore mm -hmm. out there. And what we were doing out there was was basically just looking for camps and just sort of scouting ground. Mm -hmm. I don't really go full driving anymore just for the sake of full driving. Mm -hmm. I think like, like yourself, mm -hmm. it's to get somewhere yeah. of interest or to see something interesting. It's not the actual full driving itself. Yeah. It's my daily car, same as it's your mm -hmm. daily car. I don't want to break them, um, but I do enjoy full driving. Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah, I'd definitely go out to Harvey again. I wasn't expecting it to be that, that hardcore, 
Um, but yeah, I'd go out there again for the yeah. same reason, just to find some, some cool stuff. Yeah, well, you did your best at trying to break your car today. Yeah, so. yeah. Again, unplanned. No, unplanned. And we, and we didn't break it, so. Nah, just well, a bit bent. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just a disclaimer for your viewers. First of all, he's got one of these lenses on that adds 10 pounds. I'm not actually fat, <laughs> I've actually got a hot rig. Uh, I'm not wearing fake tan. My legs are just orange from crawling under the car, trying to recover myself. And you need to edit all this to show my best side. This, this is the bloopers bit. Oh, okay. <laughs> There'll be no bloopers. No, one, that's one true. Take. That's true. One take. So you and your mates hit up the dunes out at Yigarup, um, and the area is probably best known for Calcup Hill. Um, but tell tell people who don't know exactly where it is a little bit about the place and um, what you'd recommend people do in preparing to tackle Calcup Hill. Yeah, right. So, uh, so yeah, it starts in Yigarup, just out of Pemberton, southwest Western Australia. Beautiful spot. As you're driving in, you're coming through like forests of huge carry trees. Uh, and then, I think those dunes are shifting, aren't they? They're actually shifting yeah. into the forest. Yeah. So as you're coming up the first part of the dune, which I think is the biggest dune system it in is, the yeah. southern hemisphere. It is, yeah. Yep. Yeah. As you're coming into that first first part of the dune, the tops of the trees are actually poking through. Mm. So it's like nothing else. Yeah. It's really cool. Yeah. So um, yeah, Yeager up dune system itself is awesome. Um, quite a quite a bit of driving to do out there until you hit the beach. The beach itself's wicked. Uh, you've got actually getting out there. You've got river crossings to get there mm -hmm. as well, don't you? Mm -hmm. So you got a bit of everything. You got bush. You got river crossings. You got sand dunes. Uh, you can camp on the beach itself. The fishing's really good out there. Uh, it's very windy, so you got to be prepared for that. Mm -hmm. uh, if if you're expecting to have awnings and and big shades up and big flappy tents, then you're probably not going to sleep too much. Mm -hmm. um, and then you've got the Warren River out there, which you can cross, uh, but you want to be real careful about that. If you've never done it before and you don't know yeah. the area. Yeah, that's a sketchy, sketchy. Real yeah. sketchy. There's been cars yeah. lost out yeah. there. That's the best avoid unless you really, really know what you're doing, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's fast flowing. It can be really deep, deceivingly deep, because mm -hmm. there's a lot of tandem in that river. Mm -hmm. uh, it can have really square edges that you can't mm -hmm. actually pop up out of. Yeah, I, if you're wanting to have a crack at it, you want to do it on low tide, you want to really be careful and have another car ready to snatch in you out. In your mate's car. Eh? Yeah, your <laughs> mate's car. Uh, and then, yeah, you got Calcup Hill. That's killer, isn't it? Mm. Um, that is one massive hill. It's the biggest dune I've ever seen or I've ever done. Um, and you tackle it in three sections, I think, don't mm. you? Levels out. From what I remember, it levels out about halfway as well. Yeah. And then it goes again, yeah. Yeah. It's wicked. I over a kilometre long, I think. One point three k or something. I have to. Uh, I'll put the put the length down the bottom there. It's quite long. Yeah. Cut that out if I'm wrong, but yeah, it's huge, and that's wicked. So uh, tips for doing cow cup. Mm -hmm. um, make sure your car's in good condition. Uh, if 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 your car if your cooling system's not to scratch, that is going to cook it. Mm -hmm. um, tires down as low as you can go. In your experience with your rig, most people know their cars. Mm -hmm. As low as you can go without popping beads. So yeah. that might be 10 pound, it might be eight pound. Mm -hmm. Depends on your car and the weight and whatnot. Um, yeah, watch your temperature gauge. If you've got a transmission gauge, watch that. Make sure if you're in a modern car, that was a mistake I made, wouldn't it? Make sure you turn off all your traction control right, and yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, I know that, but I, I, every time I turn off my car and turn it on again, it goes back to the default, turns all that right, stuff yeah. on, and that's where I went wrong. I'd forgotten yeah. that. Easy, um, easy to do. Yeah, but yeah, that's it. It's wicked. Definitely got to give it a go. Yeah, and it's if a, you can't do it, you can go back the way you came. Yeah. So it, it should be on every WA four wheel driver's bucket list. So you and a convoy of mates went out to a place called Balaji Rock. So tell us a little bit about that trip. Yep. So that was 
that was a trip where we were going out to the Helena Aurora Ranges. Mm-hmm. Um, that was a really good trip. Balaji Rock was the first stop, I think. Um, yeah, that's. It's. I think it's Western Woodlands. It's out towards getting towards Kalgoorlie. I think closer to Kulyanobbing. Uh, if you're not from mm-hmm. WA, that probably sounds pretty <laughs> funny. But yeah, there's a town called Kulyanobbing, and there's not much there, believe me. Uh, but that whole area is wicked. Totally underrated for WA. Um, yeah, the Western Woodlands, going out to the gold fields, there are some awesome, awesome trails and mm. tracks. There's some great camping, some really interesting stuff. Even if you're not a history buff, mm. there's heaps around there. And I think that might be cool. Uh, Balaji Rock uh, is one of the, um, is it the Granite Rock Trail or something like that? I've not heard of that, it, no. Oh, March Fire, I hate those things. Yeah, everybody. Yeah. yeah, I think it's one of the, um, yeah, I think it's part of that Granite Granite Rock Trail or something like that. You oh, can okay. stick it, stick it right. in the... You write it on the screen there if I'm wrong, surely. Yeah. But there's other ones, yeah. There's Eagle Eagle Rock or Eagle Bluff. There's a few right. of these like big rock formations, structures out there. Uh, some of them have Aboriginal paintings mm-hmm. and stuff like that. They're quite interesting. Yeah, I've, I've done a little bit of like that, the wheat belt and Kalgoorlie and all that. And yeah, definitely is worth doing. I'd love to do a bit more. Mm. All right, so the Holland Track, you've done it. Yep. Tell us your experience from that trip. So the Holland Track, uh, another bucket list thing I reckon for WA definitely yeah uh, probably just for the uh, it feels like the sheer remoteness when you're on that track mm-hmm. hey it's not really that far away uh, you, you can easily get to the start of that track in in well the Holland track goes the whole way down to the coast doesn't it yeah. the original yeah. Holland track yeah, yeah. but the section that that most of us do as four-wheel drivers is from Hyden to Coolgardie mm-hmm. so 330k something mm-hmm. like that yeah um, and you can get to the start of that track in one day, so mm-hmm. it's, it's something you can knock off in a long weekend. Three or four days you can do it. Um, yeah, really cool. It's not as hard as I probably thought no, it was going to be. Yeah. I built it up to be like... This epically hard. Yeah. 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 But still well, well worth doing. It it's is. More it's, it feels remote. It, it hey? does, yeah. 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 And it's, the scenery is very different. I love that. Like parts of it, you can see the horizon 360 degrees and there's just it's just low bushland and nothing yeah yeah i mean that's probably to some people that sounds terrible yeah probably but to people like us that's great you yeah know? and you, you camp there with the stars that are just oh the stars impossible. are epic out yeah. there aren't they they're crazy yeah. but i think you touched on it before you gotta you gotta check your weather before you go out there because yeah. if you go in there after the rains that could be pretty mm. pretty treacherous mm-hmm. you get some pretty big bog holes out there yeah. don't you yeah and the water does stick around for a bit yeah the flies can be pretty bad and I think, I reckon the best time to go is sometime after the rains, when it started to dry out a little bit, mm-hmm. but you can still have a campfire. Because yeah. there's heaps of wood out there. Wildflower season's a great time to go. Yeah, there. wildflower yeah. season would be wicked. Mm. You went out for a solo trip uh, in Julemar State Forest. Um, so I've done a few solo trips myself, and one of the bits of advice that you gave that I think is very valuable is getting out and walking a technical section of track rather than driving it sort of until you get stuck and realize you know you probably should have been aware of what was ahead so what do you, when you're driving along what are you looking for um, to make you stop and get out and inspect a section of track and what advice would you give to somebody who's planning on heading out for a solo trip because you don't have another car there to help recover you yeah if you do get stuck yeah so yeah, it's, I think it's just all about being prepared. At the end of the day, you want to be able to you want to be able to get yourself home again after your trip with as little damage to your vehicle as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what it's about. Uh, what are you looking for? I guess 
I'll get out and walk a technical section, especially more if I am solo. Mm. If like today, because you were with me, mm. I'm not too concerned because I know between us, we've got a winch, we've got recovery gear, we've got you know max traps, mm. we've got snatch straps. I know I can get out of out of most things if we if we get into a bit of strife, but if I'm by myself, certainly more inclined to to walk more sections and always water, always walk a water crossing definitely, mm. uh, or at least give it a poke yeah. uh, with a stick or something. But yeah, what am I looking for? Uh, I'm looking at the size of the ruts or the rocks to make sure that, you know, you got to be familiar with your vehicle and know what you can clear. Because mm. uh, if you pierce a fuel tank or you crack a diff housing or something, um, it's not a, it's not a good time for anyone. No. Um, and yeah, I don't know you can you, you, like you can look for scrapings where people have obviously diffed out or um, yeah or things like that. Or if there's a lot of track building, then you know it was a bit of a gnarly section. That kind of stuff, I guess. Often up at Sandy Cape. And it's a, it is a really good spot. It's one of my favourite spots that's close to the city. But being that it is a really, really good spot close to the city, it does get busy. So what are your tips to finding a spot out there? Yeah, so any any nice place within a couple of hours of a capital city is going to be difficult to find a spot, especially on weekends, school holidays, that kind of mm. thing. So if you can hit a midweek or, or at least try maybe take a Friday or a Thursday off and try find your own patch before everyone else starts rolling in on the on the Saturday morning or the Friday Arvo. Um, but San, yeah, Sandy Cape's beautiful. It's a really really nice spot. Uh, the reef just off the off the, the beach is beautiful, so it's good fishing. Yeah. It's good snorkeling. It's good kayaking. The seals frolicking out there. It's wicked. Um, you've got the like the I think it's Shire Run, isn't it? I think it is. And I know they've always got some guy in a caravan there that the always host. tells you it's full so you you, you, you drive down uh, whatever the access road is to get there it might be sandy cape road i'm not sure <coughs> that's you hit, right you got the pay station thing there don't you yeah yeah and if you hit the if you hit the camps at the end the designated campsites there's a few good ones just behind the dune and that's mm. they're quite good um they're sheltered from the wind because they're behind the dune you can still walk down to the beach pretty easy yeah but if you want a bigger spot a little bit quieter there's full drive tracks north and south um, that you could take a camper trailer through. Probably wouldn't take a caravan unless it's, I don't know, pretty small and compact and you don't mind scratching it. Mm. But yeah, north and south of the designated sites, there's some ripper little spots. Mm. I've but, been north, I've not, I've not tried south. Oh, see, I've done more south than oh, north. Right. There's that one killer spot north on the bay, you get your own bay. Yes, yes that's where I've been. But yeah. it's so hard to get. It is, yeah, yeah. I, In fact, every time I go there, I check that spot first and like 80% of the time there's someone there. There's a few though, there's a bay and then another bay and you yeah. keep going. So what I've found is yeah, you leave like five minutes out, it's always busy, you get yeah. 10 minutes, it starts to thin out and eventually, if you're lucky, but this is on, I mean it's that busy, that this is on a weekday that yeah. it's yeah. still busy. So I think a lot of people sort of will spend, you know, more than just a weekend there, their long weekend or a week. Yeah. A lot of people have got some awesome setups there. So it is a good spot. Yeah, so yeah, it's a beautiful spot. And there's a, I think there's a real like free camping revolution at the moment with Wikicamps, Facebook, mm. um, and just social media in general. There's a lot of people that have got a bit more confidence to get out there and do it, which yeah. is good mm. and bad. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But it is what it is. You hit up Will Binger in absolutely filthy wet weather, but the weather aside, how do you compare Binger to the other beaches that are close to Perth? Yeah, so the weather doesn't really bother me. I'm an all-weather camper. Uh, I probably wouldn't take my family in the camper trailer if it's pouring down with rain because you get all that canvas to fold mm -hmm. up. 
But if it's a boys' trip or a, or a solo mission, I'm, I, I don't care. Like, it always makes for something interesting, no mm. matter what it's doing. Uh, but Will Binger is heaps of tracks to explore out there. Heaps of bush. Uh, sorry, heaps of beach. Um, yeah, it's pretty good. Again, it's pretty close to Perth. So on a weekend or school holidays or anything like that, mm. there's a lot more punters out there. Um, yeah, it's good. It's close to Perth. It's good. It's worth mm. checking out. Definitely, definitely. I know. Um, I do tell people to sort of stay away from the beaches because you get a lot of Facebook and YouTube videos of people stuck on the beach at Binger. Yeah, yeah. The beach can be pretty soft there, and uh, it's definitely worth walking at first just to mm. have a little bit of a look. If it's on a real big angle down to the down to the surf, just don't even don't even yeah. try it because you start getting stuck and you just end up bloody working your way into the water. Um, if yeah, if you're not familiar with beach driving, like any beach, go with someone else. Have all the recovery gear. Make sure you let your tyres down. Bring air compressor. All the rest of it. Mm. Um, but it can yeah, it can be a treacherous beach that one. Yeah, I know a good beach to learn that sort of stuff is Preston Beach. Yeah, Preston's good. That's yep. a great place to get stuck into it. Which uh, bit of a bit of a pitch here. I've got a trip coming up down Preston Beach into Harvey. So if you are somebody who's fairly new to four-wheel driving or you just want to come along, I'll, I'll link that in the description as well. You're a bloke who mixes up your four-wheel driving with a bit of sand, a bit of red dirt, a bit of mud. What would you say is your ideal four-wheel driving terrain? Yeah, it doesn't matter to me. The Getting there is not really that important to me. It's the end destination. Mm -hmm. I like to have a spot by myself, and I like, or, or relatively quiet, and a focal point, like something beautiful like this, or um, you know, on the ocean, or even if it's just a huge open bloody sky full of stars, like mm -hmm. somewhere out in the in the, in the wheat belt or um, the gold fields. Yeah, it's not so much so much the terrain getting there, but it's the final destination. But water is always a good thing for me, because yeah, I don't know, it's relaxing, isn't it? I don't know what it is yeah. about it. The sound of water. Yeah. yeah, and you know, a swim if it's hot, or fishing, you know, all year round you go for a bit of a fish. Yeah, water's good. Yeah, I love the sound of like the ocean at night. Yep. Yeah, it's nice. Not so much the wind flapping your tent. That's true, <laughs> yeah, you, you can't always win. No. Nah. Because then there's flies and mozzies, we could go on endlessly, but yeah. the, uh, the pros outweigh the cons, that's Too for, right. sure. for sure. This is probably gonna be a long answer because I know you've done an awful lot of work, but tell us about your four wheel drive. What is it? When did you get it? And what have you done to it? Yep, I'll keep it short because <laughs> I could go on. <laughs> it's a 2016 Isuzu D-Max um, dual cab ute. Uh, I bought it in 2017, um, but I did buy a new. I wanted the pre-DPF five-speed auto because that was been around a bit longer and it was just proven. I think they're all good buses, but that's just the way I went. What have I done to it? Uh, it was a well body originally, that came off. Tray went on, canopy went on. Uh, I put a lot of stuff on the back, fridges and lithium battery systems, solar up top, uh, yeah, long range fuel tanks, lockers, bigger wheels, GVM upgrade, bar work all around. Lots of stuff, mostly, mostly touring mods. Um, everything's a compromise. It's a really good tourer. It has pretty much everything on it that I would want for the kind of trips that I want to do, but it, it that becomes a compromise for on-road driving uh, and and off-road off-road driving as well because uh, it's heavy and you know the springs are stiff and, and whatnot and it's not you know anywhere near aerodynamic anymore. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, it's a good bus. There is a full breakdown on my um, on my channel. I, I did a video of yes, everything yeah. I did to it. 
if you are interested. So as you said, you've, you've got made a video of your build and we'll link that in the description as well. Um, but I've got to say, I'm envious of the amount of work that you've done and the attention to detail to it. But what would you say, I mean, at the moment, that always changes, but what's, what's your favorite mod, would you say, that you've done to it so far? Uh, I'm going to say the lithium battery system. Be you know, because of all the stuff that I can run now, all those creature comforts, mm -hmm. you don't need any of that stuff. No way. Mm -hmm. um, but it's nice to have. So, yeah, it's, I never worry about running out of power anymore. Yeah. I, don't, I don't even, I never have to check the gauge. It doesn't matter if it's overcast every day. It doesn't matter if I'm parked up for a week. I can have two fridges running. Uh, you know, I can run buddy kettles and coffee machines and microwaves and toasters. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm really happy with that. It was a lot of money, but I'm happy with it. Awesome. Yeah, that, that, there's a video on that as well. There is, yeah, on the, on the lithium system. So we'll link that as well. All right, so you've done a few reviews on sort of campfire cooking, like stuff that you use to cook. Um, you've modified a few of your own or built your own fire pit. Yeah. Tell us about what your go-to meal would be when you're off-roading. Yeah, all right. So... I noticed all the grey nomads had built these, they call them a chuffer, I right. think. Yeah, so a nine kilo gas bottle. Mm -hmm. And they've, um, yeah, I, I made one as well. I, I copied designs, I'd seen what I liked. And it's a nine kilo gas bottle, um, cut uh, and drilled out holes and stuff for air to come through, legs and whatnot, a chimney. Kind of like a poor man's Ozpig, really, isn't right, it? Right, yeah. That was pretty cool, but it was quite bulky. Um, so nowadays I'm using one of those flat pack stainless ones like the like the Red Roads uh, or Uniflame or Snow Peak or whoever originally did them. Uh, I'm just using a, a, a cheaper one. But that's probably my, my go-to cooking device now and I use less wood when I am using that. So mm -hmm. And it's small and it's light and it's compact and it's easy. Uh, and also in the mornings the coal's all cold and it's all burnt down so I don't have to worry about putting out a fire in the morning. A ground fire could quite often still be hot in the morning, right, can't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. So you've got to waste water putting it out. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I like to cook on that. Um, it comes with a, a stainless steel grill on top. Uh, so my go-to meals now, anything that I would that I would cook on my uh, on my two burner, I can cook on that fire. I can put pots and pans. Um, but yeah, a, a, a bit of protein like a like a good steak or a, or a chicken breast straight on the top of that grill with the smoke coming from mm. the wood burning is pretty hard to beat. So yeah, yeah there's something I'm, about eating in the bush just tastes better no matter what it is. Oh, for you, sure. If you get something amazing, it's another level, isn't it? And it always looks good because it's dark by the time you're eating. <laughs> <laughs> you can't tell it's cooked, but it tastes good. Yeah. Great advice of yours when it comes to collecting firewood is you collect the firewood before you get to camp, so yeah. a while away. Why do you suggest doing that, and why should be people why should people be looking at doing that when they're uh, off roading? I think uh, whenever we're full driving or camping, we should always be trying to do things to lessen the impact on the area, so that it stays nicer for longer for more people to experience it. Um, and collecting wood away from camp is one of those simple things you can do. And you know what? It's easier as well because people will strip an area close to a campsite mm. or close to a campfire of all the wood within. You know, a couple of hundred meters radius. Mm. So as you're driving in, you know, just pull over when you see a bit of wood, chop it up, chainsaw it up, whatever, stick it on your roof, strap it down, and then you know you're going to have enough wood. Uh, and yeah, you, you, like I said, less impact on that area when you get there. It does sort of extend the campsite from being a nice little leafy bit of camp to this sparse 
vast nothingness, doesn't it? Because all the wood's oh, yeah. just been taken. Oh, yeah. and, and that's that is something that shits me when mm. you see people have been hacking off or cutting green part, you know, mm. green trees. I, you only ever need to take wood that's already on the floor and dry. Mm. You know, otherwise your, your fire is going to be smoky. It's going to be hard to light. Um, yeah, it's pretty simple stuff, isn't it? You made a review video on the Evacool fridge freezer that you've you've had for a while now. So, what are your thoughts now that well, it's about a year ago? I think you did that review. Yeah, maybe Anything longer. Changed? Even longer? Yeah, I think so. Um, uh, it wasn't a it wasn't a sponsored video or anything. I, I paid for that fridge normal retail price. Although when I got it, it had just come out and they were cheap. I think I paid five hundred and fifty bucks, and now they're about eight hundred or something. Right. Uh, yeah, look, I reckon they're great. I love that design. Um, they're, they're a draw fridge. They're a pull-out draw fridge, mm -hmm. if anyone hasn't seen them. Uh, it's 40 litre. Uh, Evercool's an Australian company. I don't know if the fridge is manufactured in Australia or not, but they're an Aussie company. Um, and I like your traditional chest fridges shit me because uh, when you open them to get something out, if it's on the bottom, you've got to dig through all your stuff mm. to get to it. So I quite like the idea of a draw. Uh, and then for my setup, because I had it in the back of the canopy, if I was to get a traditional traditional chest fridge, that was a tongue twister, mm. uh, I'd have to put it on a drop-down slide. Those drop-down slides are like 700 yeah. bucks, you know. Yeah. That's more than my fridge cost me. <laughs> but, yeah, look, I've had it. It's been over a year, I'm sure, um, and it's been great. I've got, I've, I've got no uh, dramas recommending one. Uh, but I will say, uh, someone else watched the review video I did of it, and they, uh, they bought two of them on my recommendation. And I don't recommend anything unless I actually think it's decent. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not out to make money or try sell people things uh, that are crap. So I, I, I genuinely only recommend them because I think they're good. And this bloke went out and bought two. Uh, he took them on the canning stop route and both of them failed on his trip. Oh. Uh, and he wrote to me to let me know. He wasn't you know, shitty at me or anything, mm. but he just wanted to let me know because I've still been recommending them to people. But um, in my experience, I've had two of them. Uh, I've done thousands of Ks of corrugations and my two have never let me down. So I'm really happy with them. Excellent. A while ago, you took on a massive project which was completely restoring a 1988 Viscount caravan. Tell us about the reno and how long did that take you? So um, we just had Chloe, my daughter. So it was two and a half years ago. Um, I'd never had a caravan before. But because we were, we were having our first child, we thought that we weren't going to be able to camp in camper trailers and tents and swags and rooftop tents anymore. I've had all of them. <laughs> and uh, I thought we we're going to have to go to a caravan. So, you know, caravans are expensive. Mm. You know, when I started looking at an off-road caravan mm. uh, with all the stuff that I wanted, with bunks for kids and all the mod cons, we were looking at 60, 80 grand. I don't have that money to spend, mm. especially with a new family and that. So I thought, uh, and I, you know, I like doing things as mm -hmm. well. You know, I like fiddling with stuff. So I did a heap of reading and a bit of research and that, and I found other people had, had, had bought these old Viscount caravans. I, I called it a Viscount for ages. Someone corrected me and said it's Viscount, so there you go. Anyway, I found one, 1988, Hang on, like you'll you get corrected now. Yeah, no, I know. It is Viscount. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> anyway, it's a 1988. Um, uh, it was in pretty good nick. But they sit very low to the floor and they're on little skinny wheels and stuff. And I, I wanted to take this thing off-road. Um, so I was off on paternity leave with the new bub. And I was a bit bored because I'd never had that much time to myself at home. 
So I thought it was a good little project. Uh, and I think the wife enjoyed doing it as well. She helped me heaps with it. She did all the, um, the cushions and the curtains and uh, re-upholstered everything and painted everything inside. Uh, yeah, we put, we put bunk beds into it. We got it jacked up. We did a spring over. So traditionally, your axle's here, your spring's underneath like that. Move the spring at the top. So you gain the, the height of the axle and the height of the spring pack. So I lifted up four inches, stuck some bigger tires on it to match the D-Max, and uh, away we went. Now you've since sold the old girl, and you've got yourself a camper trailer. What would you say are the pros and cons of each? I hated towing the caravan. Um, they're huge and cumbersome, and uh, I, like I said earlier, I like, I like camping in places where there's no one else around, it's a remote, it's quiet. Um, and often that means tight tracks to get down to and a lot of dead ends trying to find them. Mm -hmm. Having a big caravan, and it, was, it wasn't a huge caravan, it was only 16 foot, which is pretty small, but I just found that every time I wanted to go down a track, I had to go walk the whole bloody thing first to make sure that I'd be able to turn around when I got down the end there. With a camper trailer, I got, it'll go anywhere. It'll go anywhere the car will go. Mm -hmm. So it really came down to that for me. Um, the benefit of the caravan is it's quick, it is a quicker setup. Uh, and you know, if you pull over on the side of the road for a cup of tea or coffee or to change your kid's bum or, or if you want to have a snooze or something, mm. then you just pull up, open the door and you go in. Yeah. Can't do that with a camper trailer, so everything's a compromise. But, um, oh, and the other, th the other thing is uh, when weather's not so great in a camper trailer, you know, you get the wind flaps and the canvas mm. gets wet, which means when you get home, you've got to air it out mm -hmm. and dry it. So everything's a compromise, mm -hmm. but overall, uh, camper trailers are for us. Your battery system, you mentioned it a bit earlier, it's insane. Give us an idea in layman's terms about what your battery system is, why you went with lithium. Yeah, um, there was, there's so much uh, misinformation about lithium. Um, you'd have seen it yourself. Mm. Heaps of people will tell you that your car's gonna burn down and that it's dangerous and whatnot. Uh, all, all batteries are dangerous mm. for different reasons for, because of the chemistry of them uh, and also you know the risk of short circuit which can cause a fire. It's the same risk with all of them. Uh, and with lithium, there's different types of, of lithium. I, I'm running lithium iron phosphate, which you might have seen as uh, LIFEPO4. Mm -hmm. um, that's, it's safe as houses, it really is. Um, and the, the battery technology is so clever now. I would argue much for Oh, good I would argue that, that uh, these LifePro 4 batteries are safer than your traditional uh, AGM deep cycle mm -hmm. battery because they've got technology in them that if I was to get a spanner and put it across the terminals, normally you're going to bloody weld the thing to it, you know. These instantly, like a circuit breaker internally, they disconnect them, right. split it, so that you can't actually dead circuit mm -hmm. it, dead short it, I should say. Um, so yeah, I'm running a couple of those there. I'm running 200 amp hour. Uh, the other thing is, you can discharge them. Oh, they're, they're, they're wicked for every reason. They're lighter, you can discharge them lower. Um, so whereas traditionally you'd only run a battery down to 50%, mm -hmm. a deep cycle battery. Uh, with a lithium you can run it down to, I mean I run one down to 80. Uh, people say you can run it down to 90 and to flat, but I, I wouldn't do that because you, you do shorten the life of it. Mm -hmm. Um, they last like five times longer. I'll get I'll get twenty years out of mine compared to, you know, three to five years out of a deep cycle, traditional deep cycle. 
uh, yeah, and they're a third of the weight. Uh, you can you can discharge them at a higher rate. Mm-hmm. So you can you can run uh, like I can run a two thousand watt inverter off one bloody lithium battery, whereas if I did that with a traditional deep cycle battery, uh, you'd fry that battery. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it means you can take things like microwaves and uh, coffee machines and bloody hair dryers and yeah welders and stuff. Disco lights. <laughs> Disco lights. Yeah, <laughs> fog machines. Have a rave. Let's talk about your camera gear. So what did you start making videos with? And what have you bought since then? Yeah, so I probably haven't progressed as much as most YouTubers do. <laughs> I started with some pretty simple action cameras. I actually started with a Sony one um, because it was probably cheaper at the time. Uh, and then I was using GoPros and now I'm using GoPros. Right. Yeah. But so you've got the 8 now. I do, yeah. That's so a recent, recent yeah, yeah. That's only dropped a couple of months ago or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so I've got three GoPros. Um, yeah, one for sort of like handheld footage and a couple of B-rolly things for different interesting shots. GoPro are simple to use. They're just a little bit easier. Um, all the mounts for the three cameras, I can have all the same mounts, the same batteries. Just makes it a little bit a little bit easier. Uh, they, they still have their issues, though, like we were talking about before. they got their niggling little issues. They're not perfect, but they're pretty good. Mm. And, uh, I, and as a drone, I've had a couple of drones now because I've crashed them. Um, but yeah, I've got a DJI Mavic Air. Uh, I bought the Firemore combo, a couple of extra batteries. In retrospect, I was, like I was saying to you earlier, I probably would have got the DJI uh, Mavic Pro. Mm-hmm. Um, the one I've got, the Mavic Air, is good because it's smaller mm. and it's compact um, and it was a little bit cheaper. But the one thing the Mavic Pro's got on it is that follow me mode right. is way better. Mm-hmm. Mine, I think, uses the, your, um, your Wi-Fi to follow you. Yeah, the follow, yeah, the follow me, me mode, mode on, the, on, the on the Mavic Pro, Pro was way better. Way better. Um, I don't know how it works. Uh, I think it might... No, nah, I don't know how it works, but no, it's better. Mine's, uh, mine will follow me until I go near anything else, and then it doesn't follow Same. Me. Yours yeah. will be active track. Yes. Same yeah. as mine. Yeah. Active track is crap. Yeah. It doesn't work. No. You've also pretty much got, on many of your trips, your own personal drone pilot. Um, yeah. He's been on a fair few of your trips, and and though that drone footage that he gets is is really quite impressive. Yeah. Shall we uh, shall we drop him a? Let's plug him. Yeah, uh, Brad from Dad Four by Four Adventures. G'day, Brad. Shout out to you, Brad. Um, thanks for doing all the better drone shots for me. <laughs> <laughs> because I'm often too busy drinking or doing something driving, else. Driving, 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 driving. Yeah. Not driving and drinking. I no, don't no, do no. that. Um, nah, yeah, Brad is. He's more into the the, uh, the the photography side of it, so he's a bit more nerdy than me when it comes right. to dialing in those good shots. Mm-hmm. Um, check him out on Instagram, Dad4x4Adventures. He's on all the socials. He's on YouTube. He's starting YouTube now as well. Oh, good on you, Brad. Yeah. So, um, thanks, Brad. Now, you, now obviously you obviously do, do a lot of driving, lot of driving, with, driving with a lot of mates, mates. And, and as you said, said before, before, you do, you do, do a, a lot of dr- drink, drink, driving, driving. drinking, but mm. not driving. No, not at the same time. When you're out on the road, what would be your favourite beer of choice? Out and about, camping, full driving, touring. Cans make more sense because they're stackable uh, and they're less likely to break in your fridge and your freezer. You can crush them down so they take up less space in your um, in your, your trash vessel. Um, it's got to be EMU Export. Oh, okay. West Australian beer. I'll tell you what, mate. Hold that thought. Ooh. There you go. Thanks, brother. Now it is it is glass, which yeah makes sense not to bring glass, but you know 
we'll be responsible and make sure we don't smash this one. Of course. They don't burn. I don't know why people don't think they burn. Don't stick in the fire. It's ridiculous. But I think there's a... For people who probably... Well, people who don't hang around campfires the next day and have a look, a lot of people, I think... I mean, there are people that just don't care. But there's this... Somehow this belief that the fire is hot enough that it's just going to melt last. And that people are doing it unintentionally. They're, they're thinking it's going to be disintegrated. It doesn't. And they start fires. Mm. Glass can start a fire in hot weather. It works a bit like a magnifying glass. Um, I go forward driving with my kids all the time. They are super interested in fire pits. And they often will jump out of the car in thongs and race straight over to a fire pit to poke it with a stick. Oddly, they seem to be able to get fires going again when there's nothing going at all. Next minute, they've, they've, there's an inferno. That's a worry. Keep an eye yeah, on that. Yeah, <laughs> it is. It is getting becoming an issue. That could they're be very, troublesome. They're good. They're, they've got good bushcraft. I'd put it down. There. Yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, it's it's not it's not smart. And uh, as Cam said, if you can take cans, personally, I don't know what it is, but it's like Coke from from glass. Yeah. Tastes different. I'm like that with beer. Oh if yeah. It's a, if it's out of a glass, to me, it just tastes better. It's not but, true though. I guess you get used to it. Do you know what? I'm sorry, but it's not true. Because they... With, yeah. with cut, the, cut the camera. <laughs> <laughs> they, re they reckon, right, this is going way off topic now, mm -hmm. but they reckon that... Um, because beer is, like, susceptible to UV. Right. So glass obviously okay. lets light through. Yep. Cans don't. They're dark. Mm -hmm. So it preserves it better. There you go. You heard it here first. Try it and let Cam know. I, look, it's a, it's a long experiment for me. I'm planning to drink a lot of beers before I... It does I, take a lifetime. It does. Before I make a definitive decision. <laughs> I'm um, passionate about my research. Yeah, all right, big lap. Right, so uh, yeah, good time to have a beer because yeah. um, I mean you've announced it on your channel. It's no big surprise, but you are heading off on the big lap next year. Yeah. When I say next year, that's it's almost next year. So when are you going? How long yeah. are you going to take? What, what, November. So yeah, uh, I'm off in April. I reckon. I'm not. We haven't got like a real set plan yet which mm -hmm. is pretty cool pretty exciting actually mm -hmm. we like to wing things but yeah next year probably april we're gonna head off for six seven eight months i don't know maybe nine months again no set plan um we're gonna leave perth and head in a clockwise direction that's about as far as our plan goes we're taking a, a our camper trailer our off-road camper trailer the car's all kitted out ready to go wife and two-year-old are coming along with me all my camera gear is coming along and um, I'm going to film as much of it as is humanly possible. And then either, I don't know if I'm going to do it while I'm on the road or I'm going to do it when I get back, but I'm going to edit a butt ton of footage and put together a huge webisode series thing of our travels. That's, That's the plan. Awesome. There's a couple that I'm so envious of. Mm -hmm. um, I'm going to, hope you don't mind, I'm plugging another channel. Mm. The Overland Travellers. You follow that? I've seen them, yeah. Yeah, so Matt and Holly. I, I met them. They're the ones I met That's on right. the Nullarbor. Yep. Really nice young couple. And they are exactly what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. They took off with a, like, 25-year-old, bunky old Hilux. Sorry, Matt. It's pretty bunky. <laughs> um, and his bulks with a cheap Chinese import canopy on the back, like mine. It's kitted out with not much at all. Like, he's just built some shelves. They've got a fridge in there somewhere. And then they've just stacked their shit in. Um, they're sleeping in a King's pop-top tent, King's awning. Uh, well, they were. I think they've upgraded recently. But it was all cheap gear. But what they've got is a good attitude, and that's like the most that's, important that thing. Is, yeah. So they've gone out there with no real plans, not a heap of money, 
And they are having the best time, man. Yeah. They're having a better time than someone spending a million bucks on a flash, you know, on a flash rig. You don't need to. And I don't know if I've told you before. Um, when I was a kid, when I was nine years old, my folks took us around Australia. Oh, right. Yeah, so we're in this old, naturally aspirated, cheap, um, it was a Pajero, Mitsubishi Pajero. Oh. We didn't, there was no fridge or anything. We had yeah. an Esky. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, we didn't, Dad didn't even put ice in it or anything. We, he'd buy frozen food from the shops once a week, and that would go on the Esky, and that'd be the first thing you'd eat. And the rest of it was canned food. And we travelled for seven months on the road, wow. sleeping in bloody Kmart dome tents on blow-up mattresses. Best time of my life. Excellent. It yeah. was the best. That's probably what lit the fire in me, I reckon. Yeah, definitely. I mean, yeah, that's a, a lot of a lot of kids. You know, yeah, you grow up. I'm going to sound like Russell Coit here, but you know, they grow up in a city and they they never get that connection early on mm. with the bush. The respect that you get for nature and for tracks. You know, I think we occasionally get a bit of a bad rap with um, four wheel driving because there are. There are some people that are just going out to be hoons, but that's yeah. a very, very small percentage. Um, and I think that, you know, now that you've got these people that are going out from being inspired by seeing other people doing it and learning through things like YouTube and the internet, um, it's a great thing. Yeah. It's pretty easy, isn't it? Just be respectful. And you don't need much. You really don't need much. And a lot of people just go out and um, they don't even have a four-wheel drive. Yeah, just go in whatever car you've got. You don't obviously not going to go and tackle a four-wheel drive track, but you know most of the places that that are really, really well known are accessible by car, aren't they? Yeah, I started camping in a bloody VP Commodore. Yeah, there you go. And <laughs> you, you really don't need and and a, a tent. You can I think they're what twelve bucks or something. You can get one from Kmart. Yeah, or, yeah, and and a cheap sleeping bag. If you go in summer, you don't need anything fancy, and that's it. You just take some tin food. Away you go, and I think as, as you go on, you grab more stuff, but those memories of early on, when you had nothing, are often the sweetest memories, yeah. you know, where you're roughing it, truly roughing it. Last question, why do you fall drive? I probably touched on it before. Uh, I think from the very beginning, it started with that big trip we did with my family around Australia. That definitely lit a fire in me. Um, yeah, it started there, and then, I don't know. It's it's therapy for me. Hey, I people cook me. <laughs> I just like I don't know. It's coming home. TV and screens and phones and even like Facebook and you stuff. say this and you're a YouTuber. I know, but you know what? Like, and I watch a lot of YouTube. I do, but I I don't like the really polished mm-hmm. stuff. I like to see real people having real fun. Yeah, which is what I want to be as well. Yeah. I don't, I don't want to see polished, real smooth, slick stuff. Not about that. Um, we'll get the drones up later and get some nice Yeah, cinematic <laughs> and probably get some cinema bars in. <laughs> Black and white, 24 frames. Nah, I don't know. Um, I like to get away. I just like to be away. I like, it gives you time to reflect on things. and um, Yeah, I, don't, I just like sitting in front of a fire. Like just bush TV, just sitting in front of yeah. a fire couple of beers with good friends you only bring people that you want to be surrounded by yeah, so that'd be awkward bringing people you don't like nah yeah. you know yeah nah you're not invited that could be that could be a good episode i've invited all the people in my life that i don't get on with camping. yeah conflict camping <laughs> <laughs> all right cam mate it's been a pleasure and i said before i know you're extremely busy so thank you so much for finding the time to come out today had a great time having a wheel around here and um, if you haven't checked out cam's channel make sure you go and subscribe 
and hopefully be checking out your big lap when you smash that out with your family. Yeah, man, thanks. And when you get back, hit me up because I want to go forward drive with you. And Definitely. We'll, we'll do some more camp. Definitely. Thank you very much. Thank Legend. You, man. Cheers. Thanks, guys. I'm Dan. This has been Epic Drives Western Australia. Catch up.